0: Tonight on Banfield, the Idaho quadruple murder mystery, 25 days in, and there is a big change to announce in the case. It's not a suspect. It's not a weapon. It is a number, and it's a number the victim's families won't like. With the only lead, a white car that hasn't been found, is this really the time to pull two dozen officers off of the case? Also tonight, retracing the murderer's footsteps and or tire tracks. Our Brian Enton shows us the only way to get to the murder scene by car and the likeliest way to get away on foot. If there are clues to be found or sightings to be reported, this is where they'll be. And then, the analytical phase. The shoe leather work isn't over yet, but the focus is turning to science and profiles and odd coincidences that may be connected. Those are FBI specialties. And tonight, we'll pull back the curtain on what the feds just might be doing and how that might catch the killer. And later, why no rewards? Smaller cases than this have brought top dollar offers for just the right piece of information. Do police have enough tips already? There is one man who's worked over 400 cases who knows when the money is a magic touch and you'll meet him all ahead on this special hour of Banfield. Hello and welcome to Banfield. It has now been 25 days since four University of Idaho students were brutally murdered while they slept. And tonight there is a bittersweet reminder that even in a community torn by grief and gripped by fear, life does go on. News Nation's Brian Enton noting on Twitter that graduation is this weekend at the University of Idaho. Hotels are full and families are in Moscow to celebrate while there is still so much uneasiness in town. The university says there will be a moment of silence to respect the time we are in and the loss of these students. We'll hear much more from Brian Enton in just a moment, but first a significant turn in the investigation. And tonight, once again, an incident that we all hoped might shed some light on the who or the how or the why of all of this. Apparently, it won't. Moscow police say there is nothing to be learned from this. The 20 full minutes of body cam footage from that so-called alcohol offense just yards from the scene of the crime. Two plainclothes police officers encountered three drunk students at just about the exact time the murders, police say, happened. Since police are now asking for the public's help in finding a white Hyundai Elantra, the question arose, maybe, just maybe, did any such car appear somewhere in the background of that body cam video? Today, Chief James Fry said this, but a caveat to what you're about to see. An interview, but an interview that was conducted by the police themselves, their own questions asked and their own answers given no public scrutiny for the second time in two days.
1: So the body cam image that um, is out there from an officer who was on a call with alcohol offense does have a white vehicle in it. This is not the vehicle that we are looking for. Um, so we want to clear that up with uh, all news media.
0: Again, no follow-ups, no follow-ups allowed, because the person holding the mic and asking the questions is a member of the Moscow Police Department. Maybe this wasn't a good day to face the press, because they've now scaled back the number of personnel working on this case. In the absence of press conferences, and I'll remind you, it has been over two weeks since they have held one, police have been handing out written statements to update the public. And they've always included a breakdown of their staffing. But the decrease in the number of officers assigned to this case did not come in an announcement. It was more a change in the fine print. Case in point, on the release last Friday, December 2nd, the statement listed four detectives and 24 patrol officers. But the next day, Saturday, December 3rd, a brand new statement listed six detectives and no patrol officers. You know, in this case, as we've been following it, typically new or updated information is listed right up at the top. It's put in bullet points at the top of the press release, with the older information falling down below. And the bit about reassigning the two dozen officers, well, that information was at the very bottom. It was buried in what pretty much looked like just regular repeat information of the stats. So you had to look real close. I do not know if that was done deliberately on a Saturday so as not to draw attention i don't know that but there is something that we do know there's a brand new public information officer that is on the case and news nation correspondent nancy lou caught up with her it was kind of on the fly and it was a lucky break nancy is standing by live outside of the scene where the crime's happened i am so glad that you had a shot uh, to ask some questions um, but it wasn't the sit down interview or the lake the interview or you know the public scrutiny that we've been hoping for on this case so how far did you get nancy
2: yeah, we were hoping for an interview with the chief, but we're now being told that there are so many tips about white Hyundai Elantra's that the Moscow Police Department is now routing those calls to the FBI center, which is better equipped to handle and route those calls. Police are hoping that the specific plea for new information will bring the break they need to solve these murders. We are getting a lot of tips. There are all kinds of additional leads for Moscow police to investigate in the stabbing deaths of four students last month. That's after issuing an alert for information on a vehicle like this, a white 2011 to 2013 Hyundai Elantra, which was spotted near the scene around the time of the murders in the early morning hours of November 13th. The tips and leads have just
3: shown us that that car was there in that immediate area. So
2: whoever was in
3: that car uh, may know who might have owned that car? Any of that information is extremely valuable to us right now because it could be really significant in solving this case.
2: The license plate is unknown, so locating the specific car may be tough.
3: All three of you.
2: Meantime, new body cam footage obtained by yeah, News Nation liquor. shows police near the home for an How unrelated call around the same time of the murders. How old are yes? Police say it was for underage drinking citations in the neighborhood.
1: Sign the yellow on a mission. In- guilt. It's just saying that you acknowledge the find date there, okay? So the body cam image that um, is out there from an officer who was on a call with alcohol offense does have a white vehicle in it. This is not the vehicle that we are looking for, um, so we wanted to clear that up with uh, all news media.
2: They stress key information is being withheld to protect the integrity of the investigation. The information that we're giving is all about solving the crime. So knowing
3: that we're not releasing all that information, know that we're keeping safe the information that we need to find who did this.
2: And there, Ashley, you saw that snippet from the interview that was released by the Moscow Police Department of their police chief. Now, we want to note that we did speak, or we were in touch with the family of victim Kaylee Goncalves today, and they let us know that they have now retained an attorney. We did reach out to him, and he says that the family may release a new statement next week.
0: Well, I can imagine if they didn't already know about the drawdown in the numbers, this will not be information they'll be happy about. You know, they were already upset with the progress, you know, and the information they were getting, um, understandably so. Okay, so there was some activity at the House. T- we we're day 25, Nancy, and there's still activity there. What was happening? It, yes.
2: it, yeah less than an hour ago. We were here and about five plainclothes investigators, we don't know if they're local, state, federal, they were inside and we saw a lot of activity inside the home and the home was lit up. So we were able to peek in some of the windows, but we saw those men Inside the home, in the two particular rooms uh, where the murders took place. We did not see them leaving with any materials. I asked them a couple of times, why are they back? They did not answer me. They pulled away in two vehicles. One had a Washington State plate, the other had an Ohio- uh, Idaho plate. Um, but that is all we can tell you. But we did see a lot of activity. This house was lit up. For nearly an hour, they were inside. We don't know why. Nothing seemed to be removed. But as you know, Ashley, yesterday, a lot of the kids' belongings were removed by Moscow police to be returned to their families. So I'm just watching these guys as they're
0: walking by you. Were you asking them questions and were they effectively just ignoring yes. you? Did they say hello? Did they say yes. anything at all?
2: not a peep and i asked them specifically why are you here tonight why are you here tonight they did not acknowledge me so uh certainly they were on a mission and they left without saying a word so
0: nancy i just want to point out the the, the video that we're seeing right now let's blow this up full because uh, and let's replay that if we can too this is the investigators walking out of the kitchen area. Um, into a hallway and then walking towards the living room. So there they are. It looks like they're emerging from the kitchen area, walking towards the front of the house. That that grassy uh, sign that's on the wall right there. That's the good vibes sign. Mm-hmm. There's there's actually two of those yep. signs in the house. It's very it's very confusing. There's a there's a good vibe sign right. that was lit up in in Kaylee Gonzalez's room, and there's also that same grassy good vibe sign right down there that faces the front in the in the living room. So they're walking out of the kitchen area and walking towards the front of the house in the living room on the second floor there but it's that's that's the first time nancy that we've actually been able to see
2: them at yep. work inside the house right and looking inside we did see you know so many signs of a typical college life you know the items that we saw red solo cups we we saw a beer bottle and there you see the window with the shades drawn but you see the sh- the shadows of them working in that room but yeah they were inside they seemed to be targeted in where they were going and what they were doing and then they left Without a word, uh, even though curious I tried about to the get kitchen. some comments out of them. Yeah, it, it's curious about yeah. the kitchen
0: because we're still trying to get confirmation as to whether, you know, the killer entered through that back kitchen sliding door. But, you know, listen, on a crime scene, they're going to look at every inch of that house. I am interested when you said that there was a Washington plate because the very first thing I thought of when I saw those guys is they... Look, they, they don't look local necessarily. And I, I don't say that because they don't look like they're from Idaho. It just looks like they're moving in a particularly specific way. Yeah. And this late in the game, it, it just screams FBI to me. And maybe an FBI field office that's partially from Washington, maybe an FBI field office from the Idaho area. But they did you ask if they were from FBI or what jurisdiction? And they just said, you know.
2: I, nothing to see here. Yeah, they would not. They would give me nothing. And I did call Moscow police. No answer, no response. So no explanation for any of this. That's, but yeah. they were clearly inside on a mission.
0: I mean, 25 days of processing a crime scene. To me, it is it's something I haven't really seen unless it's, you know, a, a massive school shooting that that could take 25 days because there's just so much so many victims and so much territory and so many markings, this one is a really unusual complexity. I can only think it's because there's just so many samples in that house over the years and over the, the times that the kids have been there that they just, I'm still shocked they only have 113 pieces of evidence. Nancy, thank you for getting that video right. and for being the eagle eye and spotting that. Really do appreciate it. Thanks so much. And-
2: and we should point out that yeah. a lot of the forensic evidence went to the state lab. And that is still being tested. You know, the blood is the, the blood mixed DNA is the killer's mm-hmm. DNA being tested. So there's a lot of information and evidence that's being tested now. And the Moscow Police Department kept stressing that, you know, we're not releasing a lot of information because we're protecting the integrity of the investigation, a sure. term we keep hearing so, a lot of understandable you know, evidence still being well, processed and, 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 and tested. We we
0: honestly we honestly don't know if that killer uh, cut himself and uh, and has you know mixed DNA in that blood. But you can't do that much activity and not shed a skin cell or a hair or a fiber off your sweater or your jacket or your hat. It's it's next to impossible. It's just how many other people have walked through that house. Through the, you know, through the, right, through the ages, honestly. Um, party house, lots of friends, lots of uh, boyfriends and girlfriends, and mm-hmm. prior tenants. So that's a real, that's a hard scene yeah, to process. It's college Nancy, life, Thank you. It's college life. There's nothing You're wrong welcome. with it. It's just that's it is what it is. I want to uh, turn now to Lauren mathias She's the host of the podcast Hidden True Crime, and she's a former broadcast journalist from East Idaho as well. She's been following this case along with us since the beginning. You know, when I spotted those numbers going down and s- spotted that they were buried in the release, I mean, it was really hard to find that. That news has been public, I guess you could say, since last weekend, although impossible to pick up unless you read every inch of every single press release, even the stuff you'd read before. I wondered if they had um, let the families know beforehand. Do you have any idea, Lauren, if these families knew that there's already been a drawdown in officers
3: assigned? I don't know if family has known, uh, you know, but I do know that Kaylee's father has been very public with his, uh, you know, he's not happy that police uh, with their transparency. And I know that he's talked about hiring or has hired a personal investigator, but I do think also, I want to say that I do think it was intentional to release that uh, on a weekend. But I also, I do think, I want to say that I think it's typical, you know, it's when you have a multi-agency um, investigation, it makes sense to bring everybody in, uh, when you don't know so much. And then as information comes to streamline resources and to under, you know, and to figure out what you need and where. So I actually find it hopeful perhaps that maybe okay. we're going on to the next and phase of the investigation.
0: Maybe, you know, they call it the analytics phase and there's a lot of analytics that are going to need to be triangulated in this case. You know, um, what what Nancy Liu witnessed today and tonight with those five agents going through the House, I say agents, they could have been officers. We don't know who they were. Um, you know, my spidey senses suggest they're FBI. And with a Washington license plate, that would suggest field office. Do you have any sources on that?
3: You know, I don't know who went in. I did see that. I retweeted Nancy there. I thought that was so interesting. But, you know, I, I don't know who it is, but I do know, according to that release you pointed out that we do have fewer moscow uh officials on this and more fbi uh typically yeah. i know that usually it's moscow police gathering the evidence fbi hopefully is able to help them process the evidence it is interesting that they seem to still be gathering evidence at the house that's what it looks like to me there
0: and they, you know, they're good at this, right? You see how their body languages when they walk by Nancy and the, and the bright cameras and the Klee light, yes. they, they know to shade their faces. Local police don't always do that. But the FBI, they've probably been through this once or twice. Um, and I can only imagine that the additional officers, I think somebody in the control room can help me out with this, but I think there were maybe these were either four or six new FBI officers uh, who were added to this case. And looky, looky, we've got five new guys, maybe. It's possible. Oh, it was five. There you go. We got the number. It was five new uh fbi officers who were added to this case and we have five guys out there tonight uh going through the house my thought is that they would need a guide uh, more than likely they would need somebody who's been on it to sort of you know give them the lay of the land but that to me is just an intriguing piece of tape right there to see those 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 uh, folks i i gotta ask you one other thing lauren when I cover these cases, and there's been a lot of them, um, there's a bit of a formula. I get it. The police hold things close to their vest. That's standard. They should. But I have never seen state TV like the way Putin releases things. State TV. Here's your clip. I had my guy interview me. You may not do ask your own questions. You may not do follow-ups. I will give you the clips that are vetted and I will send out state television. I have not seen that. And at a time when there's scrutiny, and there should be, um, it's odd. Am I just not in the right town? Is this the way things work in Idaho? Because I think not.
3: No, I agree with you. I, I don't think this is the way it typically works. You know, we haven't had a presser, what, for almost two weeks? I thought there was going to be one tomorrow, and now that looks like it's not true. And to be releasing these videos reporters can ask questions it's a very different thing yes do we see them and and the the questions are scripted they're saying what they want to say it's very very curious and and i also think it leads to speculation some dangerous speculation in the true crime community i'm really hoping that we see a press conference soon where they can where reporters can ask the questions they want to ask
0: right Exactly. Because there's still a ton of questions I have uh, for, for the folks, um, you know, who are working this investigation. Stuff they can answer. Stuff that they can answer that won't impede the investigation. Lauren, as always, it's good to have you. Thank you for giving us the perspective, especially from right there. Um, it's important to know, you know, what's going on on the ground. So much appreciated. We'll have you back. Thanks again. Thanks, Ashley. All right, so I want to bring in Phil Waters now. Um, and the reason I want to bring in Phil Waters is because he knows his stuff. He's a former homicide detective with the Houston PD. Uh, he's also, you know, investigated over 400 murders. So that's why you're here, um, Phil. Let's roll that tape again. Uh, you got a better trained eye than I do uh, for the body language and the way these guys showed up on day 25. The way they shielded their faces from the camera when Nancy Liu and the cameraman were there. What does that? What does that videotape say to you? Who are these guys? Can you tell?
1: Well, first, Ashley, I appreciate y'all having me on uh, tonight to uh, discuss this case. It's a. It is an amazing case. The. Um, what I read here is I, I, I'm my first take on it is that these are some uh, field agents from outside of the state that have been brought in and are not familiar with the scene. So they've done the first thing uh, that anyone would do if they're just arriving is to go out and look at the scene as it sits today
0: one thing I, I didn't see them doing i don't know if i missed it but i don't think i did um they didn't do the requisite booty up you know they didn't put the little booties on and you know protect the integrity and to me that screams they got the evidence they need they have done the exquisite task of trying not to uh contaminate the scene in any way and now it's really the gumshoe work of trying to piece this together almost like a profiler might or as an investigator may walk the scene and think of clues that he or she might look for but it's not about contaminating the scene anymore
1: oh no i would agree with you uh they've they have been back to this scene repeatedly uh they've gone back and they've uh, seized cars that they processed so there's been a lot of and because the scene is so complicated um, and there are so many levels to this investigation, I don't think there was a, a question of compromising anything by these new uh, players on the scene by going in and examining the scene itself.
0: Let me ask you something, Phil. If this were your case, and you've done a few, right, what would be the first thing you would want to do? If you, if, if you were one of those five guys tonight, where would you be walking? What would you be looking for?
1: well if i was one of those five guys i'd be doing what it appears they are doing which is to go to the scene familiarize themselves with it and then they can kind of associate some of the evidence that's been a collected has been collected to the scene that they have now viewed um
0: yeah, I'm looking they're here, Phil. They're, they're not taking notes. Like, I'm looking at it. The, they've got their jackets on. They've got their gloves on. They've got their hats on. They don't have notes. Nobody's sort of writing anything down as they might be inspired, right? When I look at stuff, I get inspired to ask certain questions. I write them down right away. They're just walking about. Now, I don't know what they're doing behind the, the, the pulled blinds, but they're moving pretty quickly about the cabin.
1: Well, they are. And what that would indicate to me is that they had a specific question about some aspects of that scene and they went there to verify what they were asking about and evidently it was verified and so they left and there would really be no need to take notes if they were there for a specific purpose
0: and they've got no evidence bags. they're not taking anything out. It's, uh, that looks yeah. real you know that really looks like in the business what we call "go see." Um, from what I gather from Nancy Lou, and I'm going to ask the controller, I'm just to check in with Nancy real quick because I let her go already. Uh, I think they were there for about a half hour, but I just want to confirm that they were there for about that amount of time, but does that sound about right? That's, that's the time it would take. Yep, I just got confirmation. It's correct. They were there for about a half hour. Does that sound about right just to sort of confirm or check on something? They, they had a purpose they knew what they were going to see?
1: Well, not knowing what they were there uh, specifically to, to view, uh, I would say that given the time frame that they saw what they wanted to see or what they needed to see, and that was accommodated within that 30 minutes and they left. So uh, I don't think it's a question of do we spend more time, more time, more time to make it appear that we're doing something. I think they went there, they used their time in an economic way, and saw what they needed to see and then departed.
0: Let me ask you something before I let you go. Uh, 25% reduction in the number of uh, bodies work in this case. Um, I know it happens. It is always, a, a, it's a gut punch. When it happens, but life goes on and there's policing in that community that has to happen. They did an almost 100% blanketing of that case with their entire asset force and the Moscow police, but they buried it. They did it real quiet and they did it at week three, like literally three weeks to the night of the murders. Is this unusual as they go to what they call the analytics phase of the case? Is it early? Is it late? Just give me a feel for the, when do you start pulling back?
4: I,
1: I don't think it's unusual. I mean, at this point in time, they have fielded over, uh, I think the last numbers I saw were over 5,000 uh, clues, tips, either from email or from phone calls or online stuff. Uh, and, and then they've got the evidence, the collection that went on at the beginning of this thing. And they marshaled the, the forces that they had. I mean, the Moscow Police Department's only got 36 uh, commissioned uh, personnel and, and support staff and so, the as, as what you just alluded to, they have an entire community that they have to po- continue to police. And so this utilization of patrol officers at the beginning, they're using them to canvas. They're using them to collect uh, evidence. They're using them to pro- to uh, put that evidence in, in whatever property room they have there uh, for uh, analysis later. They're answering phone calls. They're fielding these tips. There's a lot of things that they're us- utilizing those locals to do, and, uh, and that's yeah. why. Thankfully, at the at the very beginning of this thing, the state and the FBI stepped in because they've got the resources that the Moscow sure. Police Department just doesn't have. Uh, and the,
0: uh, My Twitter the- is going bananas. People have questions for you. So can you stay? Okay. And I'm going to ask you some questions sure. later on uh, because uh, this stuff is great. And uh, everything that's happened tonight, we've got lots of questions for you. So um, I'm going to bring <laughs> Phil Waters back. Thank you for this. Sure. It's helpful to have somebody who's so much better at it than I am. Um, I just yeah, want to yeah, let our audience you. know that, you know, Right. I'll see you shortly. But, you know, folks, I know you're used to seeing the front of the house because that's where the live shot always is. Um, but what route do you think the killer took to get there? You haven't had that perspective yet. Um, how many other homes, fraternities, sororities would that killer have had to pass? After the break, our Brian Enton with a never before seen look at the way the killer may have come upon that house in the middle of the night. Brian is going to retrace the route that the murderer may have taken. That's next.
2: Can you tell us why we're back inside tonight? Is there anything you can tell us?
0: Absolute silence. Our Nancy Liu exclusively seeing five agents entering the house in idaho where those four college kids were murdered it's day 25 and they were not there to pick up evidence they were not there to do anything other than what appears to be look and they may be new because the fbi has added five new agents to this case and those five men one of them at least with a washington plate showed up on the scene tonight to take a look around. And as they were inside, we could see they moved about pretty quickly as well. Not taking notes, not collecting anything, just taking a look around. But pretty fascinating. In the dark, late at night, five guys who might be new on the case, and certainly one who ain't from around here, uh, from Washington, now looking into that um, that murder scene. The big question as well, how on earth could anybody have entered that house, slaughtered four college kids, and then Vanish. Vanish into the night. It is the question that investigators have been wrestling with now, right? More than three weeks, almost four. We have seen the house from all of the angles, the, the parking area out front. We've seen the sliding doors in the back and we've seen the balcony on the second floor out the back. We've seen the inside of the house, too. There have been photos from realtor sites, some of them taken actually through the windows after the crime itself. Uh, we've been able to piece together an actual floor plan and figure out which room each victim likely was in when he or she was killed. But the path of the killer? Well, that is an entirely different story. Very little is known about how he got in or how he got out, which direction he came from, or how he escaped. There are only so many scenarios, and tonight we're going to give you an exclusive look. First, our senior national correspondent, Brian Enton retracing the route that the killer would have to have taken if he drove that night to 1122 King Road.
5: So we're on Taylor Avenue right now. This is sort of a somewhat busy road uh, between the Sigma Chi fraternity and where the murder house happened. Um, there's a lot of apartment buildings, houses, a lot of kids going to and from. Um, and then you turn onto this road here, uh, which is uh, which is King Road. This is actually the road that the house is on. I want to show you because it's dark out, so it's good perspective. Um, but there's houses all over the place, both sides of the street here. Lights on, you see students coming and going all the time, walking around. Um, not a, a quiet place by any means, even at, even at night. A lot of snow, dark in some areas, but a lot of traffic. I turn here, we're going to get close to the murder house up here on the right, but you can see um, Houses on both sides of the street, again, um, there's media out here now, but again, normally the neighbors tell me there's a lot of people walking around. Not necessarily a lot of cars, you look to the right here, um, this is the house where the murders happened. Um, big driveway in front, room for a lot of cars, I'm going to kind of get a little speed here because it's very snowy and icy, people have to go fast to get up the road. But right when you come around the corner here next to the house where the murders happened, uh, there's a big apartment building um, on the left with at least 20 or 30 units. So again, a lot of people coming and going. Remind you, house where the murder happened is on the right here. And then we come up, I find this very, very interesting. This is a big parking lot literally right behind the house where the murders happened. This would be a place where, look, I got stuck here. As I was telling you, uh, the snow, um, it's hard to get up these. Let me see if I can get up. All right, I'm stuck. I'm going to stop for a minute, though. Parking lot, this is a place um where someone could have stopped to come and go from the back of the house. A little bit wooded here um, behind the parking lot, but right on the top of that hill. It's not like a forest or anything. There's more houses up there. So this isn't um, like an area where there'd be a ton of places to hide. Again, a lot of foot traffic, uh, a lot of apartments, a lot of houses. This is how you would have get, gotten in or out uh, in a car. I'm gonna show you at the end of the show more of how someone might get in or out on foot. Ashley?
0: That's just uh, fantastic information. Brian, thank you for that. And as Brian just said, in a few moments, he'll show you how the killer could have escaped on foot and what path he might have taken to get away. And then after the break, the many, many rabbit holes that investigators have to go down. Like a curious police report about a man who suddenly stopped showing up for work the day after the murders. And the white car in the photo that's close to his address. Is it a clue that can lead detectives closer to the killer? I have that answer next. Welcome back. You know, earlier we told you that Moscow police have made some changes to how they're staffing this quadruple murder probe. Uh, they're adding two more detectives, right, for a total of six detectives. But they're really taking away a lot. They're reassigning 24 of their patrol officers. Um, now, they still do have the Idaho State helping them, right? Uh, they also, though, have cut back. Uh, they've dropped from 36 members to 30, the, the state police. So they're down six members, and uh, the, the local police are down 24 members. But as far as the FBI is concerned, that, that number went up. They're boosting their numbers. Earlier I said they were going up five. They're actually uh, going up four. Their numbers went from 44 to 48 investigators. And remember when I said earlier when we saw that video I'm going to ask control room to to restack that video or re, you know get it get it back up on air for us if I can. There were five guys out there tonight and if there's four new agents, I said they would probably need a guide. They'd need somebody from the local uh, office to, you know, show them the ropes, tell them how to get in, show them around, show them the layout of the house. The house is a weird layout. So maybe that's why there were five of these guys with four new FBI agents added to the case. Don't know, it's possible, it's possible. But um, no, regardless, the investigators all say this thing is changing. This investigation's moving into an analytical phase. But what does that mean? Uh, if I had to use lay words, if you're looking at what you're looking at there, it's kind of like putting everything you know into a big mental bucket and then looking for a coherent picture, like a pattern, uh, connections that might be coincidences or might not be coincidences. So I want to show you a case in point. Um, on November 17th, four days after the murders took place, the local police uh, took a call for somebody asking for a welfare check. Turns out, uh, she said, uh, one of her employees hadn't shown up for work since the previous Monday. Well, that Monday was a day after the murders. So somebody's not showing up for work anymore a day after the murders. And the address on the call log was the 1500 block of Levick Street. It's about a three-minute drive from the murder scene. And if you Google the 1500 block of Levick Street, as we did, one of the first things you'll notice was, ahoy, my lord, looks like a white Hyundai, right? Really looks like a white Hyundai. And it so happens that the Moscow police are looking for a white Hyundai uh, that supposedly was in the immediate area of the murders while the murders were being committed. But if you take a closer look, you will find that the photo uh, from Google Maps is actually more than a year old. It's from October 2021, to be exact. And that white car that looks a lot um, like, you know, the Elantra is actually a Sonata. It's a Hyundai for sure, uh, but it's not. Uh, it's not the one they're looking for. This is a Sonata not the Elantra. So police have been circulating the Elantra picture, right? Asking everybody for their help in, uh, in locating that car. And late today, police confirmed to us exclusively that this welfare check that was called in, the guy who didn't show up for work for four days right after the murders, it's been investigated and the police are saying to us it is unrelated to the murders. So if you're out there in the cyber sleuthing community, you can cross that one off your list. Police are confirming no go. But can I just tell you that that virtual legwork takes a metric you-know-what ton of time. <laughs> it takes a lot of eyeballs, too. Just me and my team today, uh, it took almost the whole morning to put all these leads together, chase it down, and get it to the end. And the investigators are doing that times 1,000 or more, maybe 6,000. These are rabbit holes. It takes a lot to climb down them, figure it all out, and rule stuff out. And that's what you call the analytic phase. And my next guest is a veteran of it. Former FBI Special Agent Michael Harrigan has worked closely with police investigations from coast to coast. He is uh, here with me live tonight, and I couldn't be happier. Um, because, Michael, this, these guys that showed up tonight, um, I usually think that the D.C. guys come swooping in, you know, with their Quantico expertise and all the rest. But they don't usually wear 10-gallon hats and checkered, uh, you know, um, Flannel shirts and uh, cowboy belts. They, these guys look like they were sort of more from around there. So I'm wondering if you think, if you take a look at your screen, field office maybe, agents from the, one of the local field offices, maybe one of the new, the new four with a, a fifth guy as their lead?
4: You know, it's uh, well, thanks for having me tonight, Ashley. And, uh, you know, that is interesting, but uh, with so many agencies involved, it's hard to say where these guys are from. Uh, you know, FBI agents can look like anybody. Uh, when they go out in the field, they can dress. only dress like the local, uh, like the local flavor, and uh, kind of mix in. So generally, they're not going to be out in the field with the suits anymore on these kind of cases.
0: No, but these guys look like th- those clothes wear them. That they look like the real the real McCoy. They look like they're from those parts. Um, and I know, because I lived in Calgary and I lived in Texas, and that's how we dressed. <laughs> so let me uh, let me ask you a little bit about the thing that I just laid out. That, that was one of those rabbit holes that we've gone down a whole bunch of them, and I know that a lot of the viewers right now, uh, hi, guys, I, I love you to pieces. You give us lots of great tips. It takes a lot. It takes a lot to get to the bottom of one of those rabbit holes and finally you know, cross it off the list. And we heard there's over 6,500 tips on this. So just give me the insider's perspective on your gear is usually way better than my gear and your gear is way better than the web sleuthing gear, but how good and how fast can you rule stuff out like that that you know, might take us days?
4: Well, you know, the difficulty in any of these kinds of investigations is, is the crush of information, leads, uh, citizen uh, input, uh, evidence that's coming in it's just difficult for the investigators to to get through all that stuff. So what happens in these these matters, especially in this phase where they're they're uh, you know, working through piles and piles of evidence and piles and piles of leads is the difficult part is organizing that categorizing it. And that is something that the average investigator, especially in a small town, is going to have a, a pretty hard time to do by themselves. So that's why in these instances, you have this multi-jurisdictional response where different agencies bring in their specialists and bring in their resources to help those local investigators so they don't get bogged down in the details and all that minutiae and can focus on actionable leads.
0: So the, the business about the FBI tip line today, it was announced that it's now redirected, like any calls to the Moscow PD, that tip line's all going to the FBI. You know, and that's great because I know that they've got way bigger assets. And like you said, just the categorization, the ability to organize um, and sort properly and get those tips to the right places is, is just exquisite with the FBI. But it also made me wonder if this is kind of the migration. Is this the natural migration of a case from a small town police force that has come upon almost four weeks with no solid leads or suspects or weapons or anything. Um, it starts with the tip line and then eventually the FBI are really the lead agency on the case.
4: You know, in these type of, type of homicides, in these investigations, the FBI stays in a support role. And the reason for that is that that local agency is at the tip of the spear for this investigation. And what the FBI really brings is the resources to help those investigators and to help them do their job better by taking care of some of the things like the call center to take all those phone calls coming in and categorize them and catalog them and distribute them out because if you think about it if you're getting a thousand calls a day and you're an agency of 30 sworn officers you know it's almost impossible to handle those calls and uh so this is what the fbi offers and it's a routine thing but i wouldn't say that this would in any way be a, a sign the fbi has taken over but as the case goes on, you'll see more resources brought to the uh, table, especially as they begin to analyze these mountains of evidence. And all this comes together. And, uh, you know, that's where the FBI shines is being able to help the local agency with that. But yeah, they won't uh, be taking this over. I don't believe that.
0: You know, Michael, uh, I'm so glad you were here on this night uh, because, um, you know, I've seen a lot of cases, but every single time there's just something that stumps me. And this one was pretty fascinating on day 25 to see five guys in the dark of night showing up at that, um, at that already well-processed murder scene. So, Michael Harrigan, thank you. I hope you'll come back on the show. Thank you, Chris Cuomo. You know, it's really hard to get inside the head of a killer, but it might be possible to put yourself in his footsteps. Earlier, we looked at the route that a killer would have had to take if he were driving to the crime scene. But what if he arrived on foot? What if he left the same way? News Nation's Brian Enton retraced how he may have disappeared into the night on foot.
5: Actually, at the beginning of the show, we showed you how the killer may have drove in, what the roads are like in this area, and there's only one way in and one way out. But if you were on foot, um, it's, it's easier to get in and out. Uh, not so much from the back, because I showed you at the beginning of the show, there's a wooded area, there's sort of a steep incline back there, and then more houses, and there's these fences, some of the other houses on, on the side are fenced in. Uh, but if you left the front of the house, you wouldn't have to walk down the road the way we drove in. You could cut through, and this is what a lot of the students do, um, that, that we've seen coming and going. There's this little walkway that cuts through between a big apartment building um, and a couple of houses on this side. And this is the way a lot of the kids um, go to class. Or go to the fraternity houses. They walk down this little pathway in between the buildings, um, and they come out to this parking lot right here. So you bypass that whole road that we drove in on. And you end up here in this parking lot, and then you've got access to the main drag here, you've got the field, um, band field, which we've been talking about, and then there's the Sigma Chi house. Um, so you're pretty much out at the campus um, just within maybe like 30 seconds by taking that uh, little shortcut, Ashley.
0: Brian Enton, just absolutely fascinating. Thank you for that. And thank you, everyone, for being with us through the breaking news tonight. We're going to continue to cover this case. And in the meantime, Chris Cuomo picks things up right after the break.